This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. We have got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. We're gonna to be starting out with Laracon Online, which I was very fortunate to be able to attend the entire time. Michael, did you end up making it for any of it? Did you get to hang out in the Slack chat at all? Yeah, I woke up just, I think it was probably about 10 minutes before Taylor's talk. So I managed to stick around for Taylor's talk and hung around in the Slack channel. It it was crazy. Like. The, text just kept flying through there so it was it was yeah. really insane by all accounts it was it was handled really well um eric and and ian did a really good job with it there was no technical glitches that i heard of everything ran really smoothly transitions between speakers and all of that was really good so yeah congratulations to to eric and to ian for you know making this happen especially making it happen in well, it was like six weeks between when they sort of first started speaking about it and when the conference happened. So great job, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. They did a really, really great job. And I think they had 4,000 attendees. Was it 4,000 people on there? I think it was something like that. Yeah, it was pretty close yeah. to that number. Yeah, that's pretty incredible for six weeks to be able to get that many people to sign up. So I can't you know, help but think that next year is probably going to be quite a bit larger even than that. The digital swag stuff was really cool as well. I saw that you already secured a .co domain for yourself. We were talking with Eric and he has laravel-news.co now, I think, or is it just laravel-news.co? I think it was just laravel-news.co, okay. yeah. So you guys, uh, everybody can visit uh, laravel-news at the new .co domain. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was really awesome. So I wanted to kind of start the show out just kind of talking through some of the talks that were given there is a really good recap of all of the talks that were given on Laravel News. So let's start with the first one, which was... Jeffrey. Jeffrey Way. Okay, so Jeffrey Way kind of dove into a explanation of Webpack, which was really very enlightening. So I'm guilty to be one of the people that will use and abuse the tools and not really kind of look behind the scenes at some of the stuff, just because at the end of the day, I just need to get my stuff done, right? So. Laravel Elixir and Laravel Mix, they've both been awesome tools, but that's pretty much as far as I've gone with them. I don't really want to kick around in the internals of them and, and figure out what's going on. But Jeffrey kind of dove into all the different pieces for how Webpack works and really did a great job of explaining it and helped me figure out some of the gotchas that have uh, that I've run into while using Laravel Mix. One of the ones specifically that he talked about is the way that Webpack does URL I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say it right. It does rewriting or not rewriting. It does moving of the images and fonts and things like that that are referenced in your CSS files. It will move them to the correct directories for you, which bit me when we were first, when I was first doing it. Because what I used to have to do with Laravel Elixir is I had a little command that would run that would say, okay, I have font awesome installed via NPM. And I would, as one of my commands in Gulp, I would say, go ahead and grab those folders, those fonts from that NPM directory and move them into my public slash fonts directory. Yeah. And then my CSS files that were in my resources slash SAS, when they were compiled down, they would have a relative reference to that 
public slash fonts folder. So everything worked and it was fine. Mm -hmm. And then when I changed it to Laravel Mix, I started getting these problems, these issues. And the way that it works is it will automatically move those for you without having to have an additional build step. So all you do is you just put those fonts into your resources path and just reference them exactly as you would in your CSS as if they're where they are now in your resources folder. And when it goes to compile that, that SAS for you or whatever, it will move those to the correct location when you have your build step. Yeah. So really, really awesome. But if you don't know that it's doing that, it can be really confusing. But yeah, it was a really excellent talk and kind of helped to explain some of what's going on. And he really broke it down into four steps. I wish I had my notes with me. Anyway, input, output, plugins, and one other thing. Uh, so it was awesome. Anyway, so if you haven't watched it, I would definitely suggest giving that a giving that a watch. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. The next thing we had was Evan Yu. Uh, did you get a chance to watch that one yet? No. So the only two that I've watched were I saw Taylor's live and I watched Adam's last night just because I heard it was a bit a bit edgy. Spicy is the word that yeah, Taylor spicy. and uh, Adam have used to describe it. Yeah. I'm not sure if the Reddit crowd has come after him yet or not. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. Ian said that people in the chat room were raising money to protect Adam from the Reddit horde that would inevitably right. attack him, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Evan Yu, I could try and describe what his talk was about. I'll give you the, t the title, which was Inside View Templates. And he did a great job, again, basically similar to kind of what Jeffrey Way did of really kind of pulling back the covers and, and showing you how everything is working underneath. He talked a lot about render templates which was really cool, how to kind of how, or I'm sorry, not render templates, render functions. So how view goes from a template that you provide it, a view template, and how it renders it all the way to virtual DOM. So that was really interesting, something that React developers might be a little bit more familiar with than those of us who are kind of new to view. They use render functions all the time, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, it was really neat. And I was trying to figure out how I could utilize it. But one of the things that he said that was helpful to me um, uh, and I think we've talked about it on our other show, was the fact that if you are using a in-DOM template, you cannot use camel casing because the HTML parser, it does, just doesn't respect camel, it doesn't respect casing, right? Yeah. So it kind of lower cases everything. So if you were firing an event that was called this changed and you were camel casing it, this with a capital C changed, and you were listening for that event, if you fire it, it's just never, you're never going to catch it because it lower cases it all. So you can't use camel casing if you're using in-DOM templates. So it was that was helpful because I ran into that problem and I'd wondered why. So that was uh, that was good. Mm, very good. Look forward to that one as well. I will say that Rachel Andrew, who was who did CSS Grid and Flexbox in 2017, that was really cool. I remember seeing a talk at an event apart in 2014, and they were talking about Flexbox. And I remember it was Eric Myers who was giving the talk and he's like the godfather of CSS. And he said, now Flexbox doesn't have support yet, but in three or four years, it's going to be across all the browsers and it's going to be awesome. And uh, I remember being really excited about that. And it's here. Flexbox is here. And Rachel Andrews is now giving this talk on CSS Grid and Flexbox. And it was nice because she basically said that we can use it now because there's a way to check to see if something has Grid enabled. And if it does, then you can use Grid, and if it doesn't, then you can just fall back to Flexbox, which has really good support across all browsers now. So it was really cool to see how CSS Grid and Flexbox are a little bit different, and different situations you might use either one of those in. So I will stop talking now, and I will let you talk about Adam Wathen's talk, which was Lies Strike Through, Alternative Facts You've Been Told About Testing. So I'll let you take that one. Yeah, I was watching it, and he started out with with the title, you know, Alternative Facts You've Been Told About Testing, and 
I thought, you know, that's that's obviously very uh, hip with the with the current political climate. So he was straight into it, and and you could tell that. I mean, he tweets about this stuff all the time, and if you follow him on Twitter, you know that he's often sort of flying into the face of the general convention and the general sort of rules and teachings around testing. And he he kind of brings it to the masses um, a lot in the Laravel community. I don't know how much the reach is outside of that, but he certainly makes things easy to understand and sort of digest. And and it really kind of demystifies a lot of what of that testing you know ruling is. And when you when you look at the look at the talk and you look at the example of how you would build this isolated decoupled system using you know command bars and repositories and and shock and horror for Adam, he had type hints everywhere as well. You look at it and you go, but all I want to do is this simple operation that is in, in Laravel, it is one line, add a product to a user. And, and when, you, when you look at how much code you have to write to get it to work in a completely isolated system, and then you look at how much work you have to do and how much more code you have to write in your tests to test this now isolated system, you realize that, for a lot of things, it's probably okay to to basically box things up and to say that you know your unit is not these individual things in isolation, but it's like a single unit of work. Um, and once you once you get past that hump, and I think that was really a large part of what the talk was getting over that point, where if you realize that you can do your feature tests and and still get the same coverage and make your code easily refactorable then your tests are going to verify what you're doing. And I think that was that was probably the, the main takeaway from me. Yeah, he said basically that the way that you like isolated tests don't allow you to do refactoring, right? Isolated tests are incompatible with CDD. Yeah. So the at the end, he said at one point he switched out and he said, basically what we're doing is this, this assert, this line of code equals this. Yeah. Because if you changed any of it, it broke pretty much. Yeah. Because you had so many mocks and fakes and you were testing essentially the implementation, not the... You know, not what it was accomplishing, but effects, you were testing. Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. So his idea was basically put your entire application in a big box, in a big black box. You set up the request and you test the response and maybe a couple side effects in the database and that's it. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's really, really makes testing really, really approachable. And uh, so, yeah, if you have any questions about that after you watch his talk, I would highly suggest his course, Test Driven Laravel which is incredible. What do we got next? Taylor Otwell talked through the Laravel internals, which was really cool. There was a lot of things that I've kind of wondered how they work and haven't ever taken the time to go through and and look through it. But he did a really great job, obviously, explaining it and and brought it down to like a a simple level, which was covered a little bit later, even in more detail when Matt did his talk on the container and how the application, Laravel, the application itself is really just one huge dependency injection container. And that's how it, kind of how it does all its magic in the background, which really isn't that much magic when you think about it. I mean, it, it is, but it's not so weird that you can't understand it or wrap your head around yeah. it. Just on the back of, of Taylor's talk as well, there was, there was a lot of questions, I think, around, or there was at least a question around how he spends his day and, it, and you know, how he keeps focused and things like that. So subsequent to that, Taylor did put out a blog post on how he works, which goes through things like his editor, what he's working on, how he's got his terminal configured, how he you know stays focused with music and through productivity apps so we'll link that up in the show notes as well and he uses a fidget cube have you seen those no i've heard of them but i haven't seen it it's pretty cool it's just a little cube that you can use to kind of occupy your mind when you're just kind of sitting or thinking about something 
So it's got a, like, it's a six sided die, almost like a large die, but it's got different mm-hmm. things. Like, so on one side, it's got like a spinning ball and on the other side, it's got like a clicker or whatever that might drive my wife crazy. I think it probably would. She's always <laughs> constantly telling me like, can you please stop moving your leg? Cause I'm just like constantly moving, you know? Yeah. It's such a bad habit, I think. <laughs> oh, I remember. So Nick then came on and talked about Postmark, which is a service that does transactional emails. One thing that I really found interesting about, he basically walked through everything that is involved in the sending of email, which was really cool and really helpful. It was, uh, if, if nothing actionable, it was really cool to just have that background knowledge and how bounces are handled and, and that sort of stuff. It helped me also to figure out how you can send multiple types of email in a single email. So you can have an HTML email and a text email. And the one thing that he said, which was interesting, is you can have a content type of watch-html, which Apple just kind of invented. And if, there's, if you're viewing the email on, an app, on a watch, on an Apple watch, it will display the watch-html version of your email. So it's not like an accepted standards practice or yeah. convention thing. It's just something Apple kind of made up, which happens all the time, right? Yeah. But I was uh, thinking about how I could use that. So I'd be interested in the near future here to either write a plugin or something that would allow you to say, text, here's the view for that in Laravel. Markdown, here's the view for that. And then watch would be cool. If you could include a little uh, watch view that you could send that would probably just be almost like a text message, right? Like limit it to 140 characters so that somebody yeah. can really quickly view it on their watch. So that, that would be a neat idea. And after this, what will probably happen is probably will somebody say, hey, that's a great idea. I'm going to make that package. So if you do, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what that is so we can cover it on Laravel News. That'd be awesome. All right. I'm going to go ahead and apologize to everyone that you don't get to hear the Aussie awesomeness of Michael's voice right now because <laughs> I was in a conference room watching this stuff all day, which was great, but I feel really bad that you have to listen to my voice the whole time. So I'm going to try and make this quick and just, if you guys want to watch them, please watch them. They're incredible. They'll be much better than me explaining it. But Jason McCreary had a talk called You Don't Know Git. He's also got a course out there and he did a great job kind of going through some of the common commands that you use in Git that you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, which is a common theme for a lot of this stuff is everyday things that we use and here's how you can understand them better. So I've been using some of the things that I learned in his talk already in the last couple of days. So that was really cool. And then probably well, my, maybe my favorite talk. Matt Stoffer had a talk called Master the Illuminate Container, which was really cool because some of this stuff has been a little bit mystical to me, how it works. And so it was really neat to see that facades are really just service location and it's all stuff that's bound into the container and how you can use that in your testing environment to make it really easy to swap out dependencies and, and test stuff. So that was really cool. It was really, really fun to watch and he did an awesome job like he always does. So you should definitely watch that. All right, I am done talking. Michael, I'm going to let you take the next one. Uh, just before we do move on, the videos, they were, they were a one-time deal. So the ticket sales for Laracon online were $10, then they went to $20. And that was right up basically until the conference started. I think the ticket sales opened again for a very brief period after the conference finished, just as a, as a last minute, you know, if you want to get your hands on these videos, you can. But from what I've seen coming from Ian since that finished that, that last time, if you haven't already got access to the videos, if you didn't buy a ticket, unfortunately you've missed out and you'll, you'll need to wait until Laracon Online next year. So I don't know what to tell you, but if you, if you haven't already bought the ticket, then, then I'm sorry the videos are no longer available. Yeah, sad day. You missed it. You missed out. And it was cheap too. 10 bucks, man. 
cheap for, I, I don't know. I say that that's relative, right? It might not be cheap for everybody. So it was reasonable in any case. It was the most reasonable yeah, online sure. conference you'll probably have available. So yeah, good yeah. times. All right. Very good. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about installing Laravel in a subfolder? That was a that was a good post that was out there this week. Just a good kind of security measure to take. Yeah. So Eric posted on Laravel News earlier in the week or late last week, I think, about installing Laravel in a, in a subfolder. And I see these questions every now and then on Twitter and on Laracast. You know, people that are sort of tied to existing hosting infrastructure, they're on cPanel or they're deploying to a client's existing server where they don't have the ability to set up a domain. One thing that you need to be very careful of is um, when, when you do install into a subfolder is keeping your credentials and things like that safe. So your .env file and your .git attributes and all those sort of things that are generally hidden away because they're not in your public directory. Once you shift down a directory into a subfolder, those things are going to be accessible by anyone who happens to know, you know, they, they know for sure that it's a Laravel application. Or I mean, it's not hard to figure out if the Laravel um, is powering a website. So it would be easy for someone to go into your EMV file, for example, and, and get your database credentials or your, your S3 credentials or anything like that if you're not protecting that information. So Eric wrote a great post on one approach to dealing with that situation, which we will link up in the show notes. There are other ways of doing it, you know, doing things like HT access redirects if you're using Apache or just disallowing access via the browser to certain files. This is a fairly straightforward one. It, it sort of preserves that same, same level of protection as you would get with the traditional public directory inside of a, of a domain that you'd get on something like Forge but it's, it's fairly straightforward to set up. So uh, as I said, we'll link it up in the show notes and, and definitely check it out if you are in that position where, where you are having to install Laravel into a subfolder. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about testing file uploads with Laravel. So Adam Wathen did a ton of work on making this incredibly easy. This is in 5.4 now. And it makes, if you've ever had to go through the pain of testing a file upload, you can appreciate how amazing this package is. So there is a, just like we have fakes for mail and for events and things like that, now you have a storage fake. So you can say storage fake avatars and then you can really, really easily fake in a post. Like, so if you were going to create an avatar, uh, you can in a test say this JSON post to the slash avatar route and then you need to include the file that's going to be uploaded to that route. So before you used to have to actually make a physical file or you could do something like a virtual file system, which was a pain to set up. So now you just say uploaded file, colon, colon, fake. And then you can define what type it is. So you can say image, avatar. You can even, I believe, set heights and widths mm -hmm. and a size as far as like how big it should be. It is just incredible. If you've ever used any of Adam's packages before, like before mail fakes were available, he had mail thief. And if you ever used that, you know how much time and effort he puts into making those APIs incredibly easy to consume. It's the exact same for this uploaded file stuff. So it takes what used to be extremely difficult and makes it extremely easy. And he had said he may or may not have done this in order to make it easier for him to, <laughs> in his course, show how to test uploaded files. <laughs> so uh, he was kind of uh, scratching his own itch there, but the Laravel community gets to benefit from it. So pretty awesome you definitely need to check that out it is on uh, Laravel news so we'll link that up in the show notes absolutely the the next thing we have here was just a, a brief summary of 
of what basically took down the internet, I guess, for for the scale of it about a week ago was the, the Amazon S3 outage. So Amazon released a, a summary of, of the disruption to that particular S3 region that affected really a large number of Pretty sites much and everybody, and yeah. Yeah, and, and not just websites, you know, it was mobile applications that talk to, you know, that, that fetch things from S3 and things like that as well. So it looks like it was that, that kind of situation where it was maybe someone had been working a long, long day or whatever and they, you know, or they pressed up too many times on their keyboard and they accidentally Before, removed yeah. basically an entire number or not an entire, it was a small number of servers they suggested. But then it just kind of spiraled out of control. I, yeah, I think like it was, it was a, a small mistake that it, it ended up It was causing... supposed to be a small number and ended up being a large, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It did make me feel a little bit better though, didn't it? To know that it wasn't like, oh, it was some hardware failure. Nope, it was a it was a person behind a yeah. keyboard Then it happens to us That's all right. the time, right? So it's good to know that there's, you know, even the professionals, right? The big guys, they make mistakes too. And I actually had to this week, I had, we found something in production that was like, oh no. And I had to take a site down during the middle of the day. And yeah. I didn't feel so bad because I was like, you know what? This just happened to somebody else and it just happens. You know, we're all fallible no matter how many tests. I mean, certainly tests help you to make sure that you're not doing anything really stupid, but there, it's always possible to miss something. And it's, you know, you can have code bases that are tested really well that still fail sometimes. So it was just good to hear that, you know, I'm not the only one who deals with this stuff. Yep, for sure. Going kind of back to packages here, there was a package that was developed uh, by a guy named Antonio Ribeiro. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope that that's close to what it is. But it's the Laravel Countries and Currencies package. And we were talking about it a little bit before the show starts. I think it kind of wraps up a couple different packages and puts them in a nice little format for us to consume. Is that right? Yeah, I think it leverages like as an individual countries package and also a currencies package. Okay, so what it allows you to do is if you've ever had to go through the pain of generating a list of countries for a dropdown maybe or a list of states, or sometimes you might need the abbreviation of a state and then also the full name of the state or something like that. It makes it really easy to get those lists and it puts it all into a familiar syntax because it wraps everything up in, in Laravel collections. So you can say countries colon colon all and then you can pluck off just the different pieces that you need. Or you can loop through them. You can say first and then just get the states and then you can sort them and then you can pluck off the pieces you need or you can do reject or whatever you would normally do to a collection. So it not only includes the lists of countries and of states, but includes information about those countries and states as well. So for countries, for example, you can get the name. You can also get the currency. You can get the languages. You can get the states in those countries, the time zones, the flags, the capital. It just goes on and on, latitude, longitude, topology. I mean, it's just kind of crazy, the entire list that you have of pieces of information available to you through this package. So if uh, you are a type of person who works on a team that needs this uh, information accessible and you're tired of going to Wolfram Alpha to find this stuff or uh, uh, Google, I suppose, if you're tired of going and looking this stuff up, check this package out. It's really cool. For sure. Do you want to talk about the Laravel Include When Directive? Yes, yes, we can. So in recent times, we've seen a lot of this when method come in. So we originally saw it in, in the query builder, in the eloquent query builder, and then we saw it introduced into the collection class and we've now got it as a blade directive. So in the same way as we do with eloquent and, and collections, you can now use the at include when directive in your blade views. And basically in, you'll just pass it a condition that you need to pass 
So in, in the example that we've got here is that when we have an authenticated user, render the nav user template. So that basically cuts down, you know, having to do some kind of at if and then putting the include in manually and then putting an end if statement. It, it gives you a nice concise syntax in order to display that, that view based on some external condition. So thanks to, I think it was James Brooks who, who authored that pull request. Yeah, and this is a really common thing that we, that we need to do on a really regular basis. So it'll be nice to be able to use this. I have lots of places I can think of just right away that I can, that I can use this in. Cool. Another thing that was released on February 28th, I think, or right around there was the Laravel Forge API. So if you are a Laravel Forge user, you now have access to all of this information through an API. So to get started, you can go to your Forge account and from your account, you can actually generate an API token. And then you just authorize any requests to it using a bearer token, which is exactly how you would do it. You can actually do this in a default Laravel install where you just say that you pass through an authorization header that has bearer space and then the API token that you generated. So you can do that and you have access to tons of stuff, right? Your servers, your services, your daemons, your firewall rules, your sites, SSL, all of that stuff through this API. So there's documentation out there. I know Muhammad did a ton of work on this. So big thanks to him. Uh, have you seen any cool projects that have been created yet? Yeah, there was there was one that I saw came out the other day by someone called Jan Ustland, and he's working on what he's called FBAR, which is a, a macOS menu bar application. So to give you basically a drop-down access to you know all of your servers, so you can open a terminal to that server, reboot, restart different services, so MySQL, Nginx, and all that sort of stuff. Check your deployment logs and, and run a deploy right from the menu bar of your uh, of your Mac OS computer. So thanks very much to Jan for that. I wonder if that's going to be a paid thing. Is he done with it? Is it out? Um, I think he was saying that it was in the hands of a few beta testers, but I've not not seen anything about it since that initial tweet. Okay, this is just an American Aussie thing. Did you call it a beta test? Yes. <laughs> I would call it beta. beta. And Sorry, you would call beta. It... A beta release. <laughs> it's a beta release. We've got, this, we've got some beta testers. I'm sorry. I know that's a horrible Australian accent. I just thought it was funny. Uh, I am really looking forward to using that toolbar. It was called, what's called F-bar? F-bar, yeah. F-bar. It looks incredible, really. And how many? I, I can't even tell you how many times I just need to very quickly get into a box. And sometimes I have to go into Forge and look up the site and then go figure out which, which you know, SSH or which server I have to SSH into because I just forget. You know, if, when you have more than yeah. two, it's kind of yeah. difficult to remember. So this will be really, really helpful. And I would definitely pay for it. I really would if it was, you know, five, ten bucks, something. Yeah. Maybe I'm trying to think how much I would actually pay for it. Maybe yeah, I'd, I'd pay 15 bucks for it probably. So we'll All see. Right, we'll see what happens. But there you go. Cool. So another big piece of news for those of you who use Homestead is that Homestead version 5.0.1 has been released. So it looks like the upgrade path shouldn't be that difficult, but I am ignorant really when it comes to Homestead anymore. I use Valet for everything. So Michael, I'm going to let you take this one. Thanks, Jake. Uh, so Joe Ferguson has been working on, uh, on, the, on the Laravel Homestead front for several months now, I guess he sort of picked it up late last year, late 2016. And he's been working on, on bringing new features into Homestead. He's been working on updating versions of software, 
Um, he's he's really put a ton of effort into it, and we thank him for that. For those of you that are still out there using Homestead, it still certainly has a place in the in the development ecosystem. So he's done a lot of work around also the Settler project, which is what is used to generate the Homestead boxes. So basically, now that that Laravel no longer officially supports HHVM, Homestead is no longer shipped with that, but it is now using things like UTF-8 multibyte character sets for databases there's been some bug fixes around time management there were a lot of issues with that and so homestead is now using ntp to maintain its time servers malhog will will now i know it was introduced in a previous version of homestead but it wasn't automatically starting on boot so that's that's been fixed up now but there's a whole heap of new features which which I won't read off here, but you can certainly check out the blog post, which we will link up in the show notes. And uh, as I said, thank you very much to Joe Ferguson for all of the work that he's done on that. Absolutely. Well, I think we are about out of topics for today. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you everyone so much for listening to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 33. So you can find show notes for this episode at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 33. If you like the show, please feel free to rate it five stars in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you have any questions for the next episode, you can hit us up at Laravel News on Twitter or on our personal accounts. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you in two weeks. And you will hear our voices as well. Boom! Mic drop! (laughs) We will see nobody. We will see you or not. You will hear us in two weeks. Peace out. So much for listening. We appreciate the... Yeah. I don't know. How should I end it? <laughs> no, we just, just leave it like that. You're just going to include that. Of course I will. <laughs>